Hey everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, my guest today is a regular on the Chef AJ Broadcasting Network. He has a show the last Thursday of the month called Vegan Conversations with Robert Cheek, but he has something really important to announce. There is something going on next week that you will want to know about, so we can't wait for him at the end of the month to tell us about it, and he has a very special guest who is, well, just wait till you meet him. You're not going to believe, he looks amazing. And when you tell, I, I don't know how, hopefully he'll let us tell how old he is because I've met him a few years ago and he's aging backwards. And I think that has something to do with how he lives, how he moves, how he eats. But first let's welcome our host, Robert Cheek. Good to see you again, back from the cruise, all safe and sound. Yeah, how's my tan? Looking good? Yeah, really good. So, <laughs> so less white in the beard now, right? I think so. So this was the first sale probably since COVID, right? Absolutely. We were out there on the last one in February of late February of 2020. Had it been one extra week, we could have been stuck out there for a while. Looks like an extra party for another month in the Caribbean. Oh, but, um, geez. I bet everybody was really happy to see everybody. Yeah, it was. It was like a reunion. It was a great time. It was full capacity. I had the biggest audiences I've ever had in the 11 years that I've been on the cruise for my talks, my fitness classes. Uh, tremendous speakers, uh, a wonderful overall experience. Right. How many How many uh, people sailed this time? About 2,000, somewhere around 2,000. incredible, isn't it? There's 2,000 healthy people out there. Yeah, it's it's a really cool event. So I know I know our guest today has been on before. I know you've been on Chef AJ, and, and I encourage people in the future to check it out at Halissa Holiday at Sea Vegan Cruise. Absolutely. So what's this big event you got going on April 15th that was so important you had to tell everybody? Yeah, so I had to bring on Jeff Palmer. I mean, Jeff Palmer has been vegan for so long. I have to say, I'm embarrassed isn't the word, but it's so rare. Rare is the, the situation where I am with a group of people where I have been vegan for the least amount of time. I mean, 27 years for me is nothing compared to Jeff, nothing compared to you, Chef AJ. I have the founder and CEO of Clean Machine, Jeff Palmer on today, who also created the World Vegan Bodybuilding Championships and the Vegan Health and Fitness Expo, which are coming live in Fort Lauderdale on April 15th, which is why we had to get on the air today to talk about it. So welcome, Jeff. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to see you again. I'm, I'm so looking forward to, to being at the event with you. I mean, that's uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's been such a culmination of things. It's like all this energy built up, but I'm sure we'll jump into that. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And 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 Jeff, I wore my bright shirt today. You may not be able to tell. There's pineapples all over it, um, but but that's not the point. Uh, the point is, it's the bright shirt because to me, you are such a bright light in this movement. You uh, you wear your heart on your sleeve. You lead with compassion. And, I'm, and I know that's why you created this event. You're vegan for the animals. You've been vegan for decades, way longer than my 27 years. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I want to jump right into this event. For those who are tuned in right now, yes. tell us about the World Vegan Bodybuilding Championships, the Vegan Health and Fitness Expo in, in a week in Fort Lauderdale. Why did it come to be? What's the, what's the purpose? What's the cause? What do you hope to get out of it? So... You know, I, I read the story that 80% uh, of self-proclaimed vegans in the United States are women. And there's a, there's a huge disparity. And I'm like, what is holding guys back from, you know, turning plant-based or in, at least including more plants and harm less harm to the animals? And 
all the articles I've read are that meat equals masculinity. So, you know, there's this long held myth that, you know, a hunter is being male and, and all this stuff that being masculine is it. And now we're seeing some extraordinary athletes. Thank God for uh, the game changers, which uh, I know you're involved with in, in certain ways, too, um, that we're, we're trying to overcome this. But I really wanted to bring, uh, being a natural bodybuilder, and to, to be clear, this is natural bodybuilding means drug-free. It's a tested event. So we test the winners of the athletes to make sure they don't use any performance-enhancing drugs. But this one's unique. This is the only uh, completely all-vegan natural bodybuilding show in the world. And I really want to show people what can be accomplished without drugs, without harming animals, and show these extraordinary people that are doing this in the name of showing people so they can get beyond that fear of, I'm not going to be able to build muscle. And, and look, you started this, really. <laughs> you know, you're the godfather of vegan bodybuilding, the first to write a book about it, the first to really kind of get out there and take a stage, working with Danny and Giacomo, who are also involved in this event, uh, but really the leaders of this. So I'm trying to pick up the torch and carry it from here. Well, you're doing an outstanding job. And not only are you doing it as an organizer and working behind the scenes to make this event happen, this being your, your brainchild and something that you've, you've created and, and assembled a great team. I know your wife, Vanessa, and Sean Russell from SoFlo Vegans and others who are part of this to make it happen. But not only that, are you an organizer and all that, but you've been a competitive athlete on stage and, and you look absolutely phenomenal. Um, I don't know if you do want to talk about how long you've been vegan or what your age is now, but I, I think like, sometimes I think, man, I'm 43 now, like how many years do I have left to be like fit and strong and all this? And I look at someone like you, I'm like, man, the future is bright like my shirt because <laughs> of the path that you have carved out uh, with your longevity in, in health and wellness and, and veganism. Can you walk us back a little bit? Uh, why veganism for you, why you care so much about reducing suffering and how that's helped you in your health and wellness and led you on this path to create an all vegan supplement brand and nutrition company and put on events like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a loaded question, but yeah, let's, let's dive in because, um, one, I feel like it's almost an obligation because I have been vegan for 38 years, almost Ooh. four decades. <laughs> um, and that I just turned 60 in January and, you know, uh, it's still in the best shape of my life at 60. You know, I'm doing 450 pound bench presses uh, at 60, natural, drug free, no testosterone replacement, no hormone replacement, nothing. I'm 100% drug-free, no medications. I don't even take aspirin. I just don't want no drugs in my body because I care about this body. But I didn't always care about this body. Uh, there was a time in my life where things were very different. So why I'm so passionate about it is because where my experience was born from. Um, I lost my mother to multiple sclerosis. I lost my father to alcoholism and I lost my brothers to mental illness before I even graduated from high school. So my whole family just seemed to be falling apart. And it tore me up because we were a really, really close family. 
And uh, I was blessed to be born in a high IQ family. My mother was a psychologist. My father was an English professor. Everybody in my family uh, had genius IQs. Actually, I had the lowest in the family, but still not too bad. But, uh, you know, it just, I, I depended on that family unit so strongly. And when they went away, I felt a world, I was raised very compassionate, very respectful. Uh, you know, my parents marched with Martin Luther King, you know. I, that was the value system I grew up with, with inclusiveness, with embracing and connecting with people. And I was like, wow, this is a difficult world to live in. And with my parents and family and the people that I needed to coach me to get to, to adapt to this reality weren't there, I struggled and I fell into deep depression. I became suicidal. Uh, I started doing drugs, alcohol, everything to try to numb the pain. And the emotional and psychological pain got so intense, I couldn't take it anymore. I just said enough. Um, fortunately, uh, right after my second failed attempt, uh, I was just sitting in a bar getting drunk and a woman walked in and she was just like glowingly happy. So I said, what do I have to lose? I just walked right up to a complete stranger and I said, teach me how to feel like that. I want to live that way. And she was really taken aback, but she goes, I just came from a natural healer who really helped me with a breakthrough. I can introduce you to him. And I'm like, of all the people that walk into a bar, she's the exact person I needed to do. And I just talked to, I just saw her happiness. She took me to him and he immediately started breaking it down for me. By the end of that night, I had such an intense breakthrough that my whole world just changed 360. I quit smoking, I quit drinking, I quit doing all drugs, and I quit consuming all animals that day. And it's been 38 years, and I'm still proud to be there. But it just fell away because I reconnected with this amazing love that we all have, this capacity to love. The anger that I had, that I was holding against my father because of his alcoholism, because because of my family unit falling away from me and because of all the fears of the society that seems too harsh for me to live in. When I had that breakthrough, it was just like, wow, I don't have to hold back my love anymore. And when I realized and reconnected, I reconnected to the love for myself, to other people, to nature, to the animals, it just all opened, opened wide open. And I'm like, this is it. I'm like, I was looking at the world the wrong way. I felt I came in this world to try to get something out of this world. And I didn't realize my biggest joy was going to come from what I have to offer this world. To be a loving, caring, sensitive person and be a role model for other people. That's where I find my joy. That's where I find my power. And I'm like, wow, okay. Well, I don't have to depend on other people being nice or good or kind or anything. All I have to do is bring out the best in me and share that with others. And that was the turnaround experience. I not only committed the rest of my life to being vegan and to not causing any harm or suffering because I knew what intense emotional and mental suffering felt like. And I didn't wish that on anyone. 
And during that meditation and just asking myself, how can I pay this forward? I just said, my higher self just said, stop causing harm to others. And I knew I had to work on me and changing me to be a better me, but I knew immediately all I had to do was stop eating animals and immense amount of suffering would be released from the world. And I committed that day to not only living the rest of my life that way, but to helping others try to find that. And I, I traveled all the world, 48 different countries, trying to learn from Buddhist monks and native chiefs and, and anybody that was on a spiritual path to reconnection to who they really are. Human beings at the core, that capacity to love is extraordinary. That's our gift. And we're, we're so looking at the outside world for our gifts, money, for things and stuff. You forget this amazingly powerful things, the real currency of human beings. The power of love, the power of kindness and support and compassion for each other. That's extraordinary. That's what we're all really hungry for, I believe. So I said, well, how can I bring this out in people? But, you know, I'm not going to get them to do a sweat lodge or, a, a, you know, chant for 30 days or fast for 10 without with just water. These aren't something that the average Americans going to do. And, you know, I said, but what can I do to create that? When I was doing a sweat lodge, I realized I took one aspect of my life, which was heat. <laughs> and sitting in that sweat lodge, boom, all this physical sweat came pouring out of me because it's such intense heat in the sweat lodge and Native American uh, ritual. And then, of course, the emotions started to pour out too. And then my mind just started pouring out with ideas. So I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Just take one aspect of the human self, like the physical part, and move it, create a shift. And the emotional, the spiritual, the energetic, the mental stuff wants to shift with it because we're a whole human being. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what is something that human beings do and enjoy almost every day? One, we eat, and two, we move. Like, okay, perfect. That's something that everybody can do. Anybody can do. But if I can show them a way to do exercise with intensity and clarity, to do diet, plant-based diet, whole food plant-based diet, that will get them to experience a shift, will the rest of that breakthrough come and follow? That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I try to do. It's why I created Clean Machine. I named it Clean Machine because we're born into this phenomenal, phenomenally incredible just unit called the human body, which is just a miracle of chemistry um, and to keep it clean, keep it free of animal products, keep it free of drugs and, and poor things, and then keep it healthy through physical activity. I, I chose the sacred symbol, the flower of life for the brand. And in the heart of that, is a plant, the heart of nature. It really is the plant that captures the light from the sun, captures the nutrition from the soil, and then gives all of that to the animal kingdom as its gift in life. We're receivers of nutrition from plants. Whether that plant gets fed to an animal and then gets eaten, it all originates in plants. And I want to go out and just find the most extraordinary plants and make them more available to people. So that's my give back. But this event itself 
This is the culmination of 30, almost 40 years of my life's work to try to get to this point. I, I couldn't do it without people like yourself blazing the way. And I'm so thankful for everybody within this movement who's contributed to it. We stand on the backs of giants. Um, and I just want to do my part while my, I, my time is here on earth to, to give that back in the best way possible. Well, Jeff, you are doing amazing things with the approximately 3 billion heartbeats that you have. I, although I suspect you'll get quite a few more. That's the average American will get about 3 billion heartbeats in their life to do what they choose. And you've chosen a path of compassion. And I appreciate you sharing your background and that vulnerability and that uh, difficult challenge you went through as a young man and that discovery where you met someone who simply led by example, by glowing, by, <laughs> by walking the talk and being a representative of a healthy, happy individual. And that's where leading by example is so powerful, mm -hmm. which is why we do events like this, to show people that no matter what you want in life, you can do this with a plant-based diet and a cruelty-free vegan lifestyle. It doesn't matter if you want to be an Olympic athlete, you can do that. You know, people have done it. If you, if, if you have the right tools and genetics and work ethic and all the different things that line up for whatever goal you're pursuing, you can make that happen without having to cause unnecessary harm to animals. And you can live in harmony and in peace with your surroundings. And so that's what I love about you. I want to, um, I want to go back just to start listing some details for this event if, in case some people just tuned in now or they're watching the recording there. What are we, you know, 20 minutes into it. Um, so let's talk about the location, the, the, the date, the location, the time. What can people expect? I mean, there's some big name speakers at your event, too. It's not just people up on stage competing in bodybuilding, but you've right. got speakers, you've got entertainment. Uh, I'm actually going to be uh, one of the hosts. Uh, I'll be hosting up on stage. So uh, that's going to be exciting for me. You've got incredible judges like Corinne Sutton, one of the greatest vegan bodybuilders of all time, a 23-time champion. It represents Clean Machine as well and is one of the great spokespeople of our movement. So let's talk about some details of the vegan, the World Vegan Bodybuilding Championships and Vegan Health and Fitness Expo. Yeah, and the reason we named it Vegan Health and Fitness Expo is because I, I've been to a lot of EdFest. <laughs> you, you probably more than anybody I know personally. <laughs> but uh, And there's been a real movement to try to get people to come into the plant base by having fun foods, you know, the, the burgers and the, and the pizza and the... And, and there's a good place for that. I mean, comfort foods are, are comfort foods. That's uh, We need to get people that have uh, identification with those foods. But I really wanted this to be a little bit more health-centered, a little bit more inclusive of fitness, and because I think it's one of the strengths of the plant-based movement is to show health and fitness, not just uh, vegan brownies and donuts. Um, so really spoke to the name, the Vegan Health and Fitness Expo, and then feature what can be accomplished at the World Vegan Bodybuilding Champion. It's April 15th. The hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's an all-day event, and we've got all kinds of activities going on. It's at the Broward Convention Center in Fort Lauderdale Beach, just minutes away from the beach. So if you want to make a little mini vacay out of it, uh, there's total events going on on the beach that weekend and everything. 
Um, but this is the first and only all vegan natural body building competition in the world. There's lots of vegan vendors. So you'd be able to sample foods, try some supplements, do different things, all walks of life from uh, personal care to, to clothing, to food. It'll all be there. There are real active events there. You can do yoga with two yoga instructors, a Zumba class. We have a Ninja Warrior, a 10 by 20 setup. You can do Ninja Warrior right on the spot. Um, we've got an amazing group of vegan speakers, Chef Babette, um, author, actress, model, 72 years of age. She looks awesome. Speaking of being one of the fine examples of what long-term veganism can do for people and their health. She's an extraordinary example. Dr. Shabnam Islam, who is the vegan TV host of the first all-vegan cooking so show. Yield. <laughs> so um, Dr. Milton Mills, who was featured in What the Health and Vegucated Movies. He's awesome. I can't wait to, to give him a big hug. Um, James Wildman from ARF, Dr. Frank Sabatino, who's known for his water fasting, uh, Paul Rodney Turner, who is the founder of Food for Life Global. They're our charity. So we were going to be giving back every single ticket, every booth, every sponsor is contributing to Food for Life Global. It's the largest vegan food charity in the world. Over 8 billion people have been fed uh, women and children, people who have been hit by disasters like earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, uh, people who have been uh, output of their places by war like the Ukraine war, they're out there feeding people 100% vegan meals. It's an incredible organization. They even uh, have a sanctuary for animals. They do plant uh, tree planting uh, projects too as well. We've just got a whole list of speakers. Danny and, Danny and Giacomo will be there as part of the judges. Ella Magers, Sexy Fit Vegan. I mean, it's just an extraordinary group of people coming together for this event. So I'm super excited about it. Well, I am too. And I know some people are flying in from other states. There's obviously still time. Uh, we're what are we a week over a week away, a little over a week away. And, um, but I know you also have an incredible vegan community right there in South Florida. Um, can you speak to uh, the amazing uh, community that you've got out there? I mean, I hear about, I'm, I'm out here in Colorado, but I hear about events in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and South Florida all the time. And that, you know, every time I go there, uh, there, there just seems to be a great, vegan scene. And I want to say one more thing real quick. Uh, you know, I was, I was addicted to maybe the most common drug so many of us are addicted to, which is caffeine. Uh, and it was Dr. Frank Sabatino uh, at Balance for Life during his fasting that helped me kick that in 2018. And I've been, uh, I've been caffeine free ever since. And though there's, I'm, I'm sure there's research on both sides that caffeine could be good or bad. In my perspective, it was it had control over me. I didn't have control over it. And that's when I recognized this is a real drug in my life. I'm completely addicted to it. And it was Dr. Frank Sabatino, another guy, incredible shape, vegan for what? I mean, what not four decades or something? Yes. I mean, you, you, you've, and, and Chef Babette, I just saw it at the LA Vegan Street Fair. Are you kidding me? 72 years old. She was ripped. She was fit. She was speaking on stage. Like you have assembled. I mean, you, you want to see the, the impacts of long-term veganism, just come to this event and it's going to be right in front of you. 
So, uh, so yeah, talk about some of that, the, the local scene there in, in, um, in South Florida and veganism and why it's taken off so, so much there. Yeah, it's, it, it's so nice to, to have like 14 different vegan restaurants within driving distance of me. It's, I mean, I used to live in Los Angeles and that was true there, but that's California and kind of expected of that. And, you know, South Florida has really turned into a hotspot for the vegan community and really supportive and growing and growing fast. What I love is uh, like went to vegan block party, which is one of the great parties that put on by uh, Ariel and Tori Washington and and um, um, and other folks that really bring a lot of people with a diversity together. So we pe people from all backgrounds, all races, all genders, just it's great to see it growing as a community because there used to be you know, oh, that's for rich people, it's for white people, it's, you know, and, and now we're seeing such diversity. I love that. We have a great uh, diversity in our speakers group, in our representation of what we've got. I love to see everybody from whatever walk of life, whatever background coming together for a common cause of just being nice. <laughs> to other beings it's not that hard <laughs> as, as dr michael gregor would say what a concept you know <laughs> what, a concept. what a concept um jeff is this something that's gonna you think will happen every year um or is this like maybe every couple years or multiple times per year what's the what do you see for the future of the world vegan bodybuilding championships and the vegan health and fitness expo well, money money still makes the world go around and makes things happen. So we count on the support of others. We are lucky to have lots of sponsors that uh, came to us, but having a turnout is probably the most impactful thing. So it, it, there's so many ways. If you want to donate to the event, you can do so. If you want to donate just to our organization of, of Food for Life, which is a nonprofit organization, you can do so. If you want to, if you can't make it or can't afford it, and you uh, would like to see our live cast, we're shooting a live documentary of the whole event. Hopefully it'll get picked up as a movie so even more people can be inspired. But if not, we're gonna package it and allow people to see it. So there's lots of ways where you can contribute to helping this event grow and become that. We've already been contacted. They want it in Japan, they want it in uh, Asia. Um, so they wanna replicate our show. It's very exciting to get uh, contacted so early. <laughs> Um, this just being our second time with the World Vegan Bodybuilding, but um, if you're interested in doing that, if you're interested in bringing it to your town, let's talk, let's grow this thing, because I think it can really be uh, a chance for people, more and more people to participate, whether you're a vendor uh, and you own your own business or a competitor and you want to get on stage for the first time. I mean, Robert, you and I can probably talk about our first times on stage, <laughs> that experience, but it, it can be very empowering. And that's, that's the core, I think, of the vegan movement. This is a, an empowerment movement. Um, when you take charge of your own health by choosing what you put in, and then you add exercise to a plant-based diet, you can live an extraordinary life. You can, yeah, I'm 60, best shape of my life. This is what's possible with a plant-based diet. You don't have to go down the typical path. 
Um, but you can empower others too by being an example and contributing in different ways. When it comes to mind for me, the, the famous quote, uh, anything you can do, I can do vegan. And <laughs> that's where I think that leading by example, which is probably a theme we're going to talk about uh, throughout our hour long discussion today, is so important. You said the word empowering. Um, I never, maybe I never knew that I could transform my body, but I always wanted to. And then I started to believe it, you know, and once I started to believe it because I saw somebody doing it, I saw Jeff doing it. I saw Tori doing it. I saw Natalie doing it. I saw Danny doing it. I saw Corinne doing it, man, that could be me someday because someone else has shown me that this is possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really empowering and that you can take that message home that yes, I can. Yes, you can. Yes, we can. And I think that is really, really empowering to echo the word that you used. I also want to encourage people to check out, I believe it's VHF, VHFexpo.com. If someone on YouTube can type that in there, uh, VHFexpo.com. I've got postcards around here. I've been spreading the word um, because we definitely would like to, uh, to see you out there. This is something that uh, there's already been, I've already seen quite a bit of press about it from Generation Iron, which is totally mainstream. It's not vegan press. And then some vegan press, Veg Out Magazine and some other uh, vegan media outlets. So we're, we're grateful for that. Jeff, I want to ask you, what do you think the future of veganism looks like? Um, there's many aspects, right? We're all, essentially, we're all vegan for the animals. That's where veganism comes from, taking a, a stand against unnecessary animal suffering and cruelty and contributing to those atrocities and to stand up for animals. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on in the, the areas of uh, nutrition and uh, different type of food innovation. And we have cl some climate crisis going on and we've got, there's, there's a lot, right? We have <laughs> incredible innovation with, with cellular meat. We have supplementation. You're a researcher. In fact, you're usually the first person that I, that I come to to find out what's the latest, you know, what's the latest research out there in the world of plant-based health, nutrition, wellness, and science. So what, what do you see as the future of veganism? Well, I, I think there's opportunities. One, I, I'm, I'm doing lectures right now. Um, one of my key lectures is on meat, um, men meet and masculinity and the myths that drive it. So I really wanted to dispel this because, you know, we look at who are the masculine examples in our society. If you look at the, the village people, it was the police officer. Why? Because they serve and protect. I'm like, okay, well, that's what veganism doing. We can serve and protect animals. Firemen, they prevent harm from happening to people in their homes and animals in their homes. Okay, that's what veganism is. And I'm looking at all these different mascots for masculinity. I'm like, wait a minute, it's all about protecting those who can't, you know, standing up, even the military men. It's to defend what you love and care for. Well, that's what veganism is. I mean, these are all the emblems of what veganism is. So trying to change this mindset, because I think, unfortunately, males are really kind of holding back the growth of the movement. Um, and I think we need to change the mindset there. Um, so that's a key part of it. I think the food has to become healthier. Um, the nutrition 
has to come forward. The education has to continue, uh, but we also need living examples. We all look to heroes, whether it's a sports uh, person that's uh, top of the charts, like uh, Djokovic, uh, who's uh, vegan and, and doing some amazing things, um, to people in all walks of life, from educators to doctors to teachers to lawyers. Um, you know, we we work with the uh, BVEG, which certifies our things, and it's a group of vegan lawyers that got together to make sure that they dot and look at every single thing to make sure that the products that carry that BVEG logo are vegan. They're the only one that's ISO certified globally. So um, I'm looking for all the best opportunities there, both within my own brand, within the community, and how we can inject that. Like, uh, we'll be relaunching Lemna, which is a, an amazing green water plant. It is the first now to be shown to a single serving, have over 100% of the daily value of vitamin B12 naturally occurring inside of the plant. So the plant actually soaks up the bacteria that produce B12 into its root system. So when you consume the whole plant, you're actually getting bioactive B12. This is the last piece of the puzzle that people were saying, oh, you can't get B12 from plants. Now that's a lie. Yes, you can get your 100% of your B12 from plants naturally occurring, made by the same bacteria that would make it any other way. I am big on busting the myth over omega-3s. I've worked with, uh, I'm actually, thank you. I don't know if I'm gonna leak this a little early. I'm sorry, Milton Mills, if I am, but you're hearing it first. He's invited me to come up and speak with him at the Vegan Summerfest uh, to talk about all of the research that I've compiled over the last 20 years why plant-based omegas are better and superior than preformed EPA and DHA found in animal products. I want to blow this myth out of the water. Look, 2.7 trillion fish are killed every single year and 35% of them are simply thrown away to loss. This is an extraordinary amount of suffering. When you take a fish out of water, it is like waterboarding them. Human beings need a lot of water and breathe in a little, uh, need a little, a lot of oxygen and breathe in a little water in the vapor in the air. Fish are just the opposite. They breathe in a lot of water with a little dissolved oxygen in it. When you take them out of the water, it's like what waterboarding is to us. Imagine being waterboarded to death and that's the last of your life, which can take hours for a fish. That's what we're doing to 2.7 trillion animals every single year, waterboarding them to death, the worst form of torture human beings impose on each other. And we're doing that to trillions of animals every day. Yeah, it's, that, that's, it's, it's heartbreaking. And one of the things that compels me to write about these topics about ethics and moral veganism and some of the topics that I've been exploring. And I know you and I are on the same page in so many of these ways that we have to reduce unnecessary suffering because every single animal has 
the capacity to suffer. Every single one of us wants to live a life free of fear, pain, and suffering. It doesn't matter what our species is. It doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter what type of animal we are. We all want to live and we all want to be oh, as far away from pain and suffering as possible. And, and we, we all suffer in some ways. We all experience pain in some ways, but we don't need to unnecessarily inflict this pain on others for what? Uh, for a, a sandwich that we prefer, or a pizza topping, when there's alternatives to those, or for supplements when there's alternatives to those, when there's a plant-based alternative, a compassionate alternative to any form of suffering that is part of your typical daily consumption, we have something that's cruelty-free for that. And as you said, Jeff, in many cases, if not most or all cases, it's better for you to get the original source of nutrition from plants, the, the, the nutrition that animals are eating before they turn it into muscle, but then <laughs> we slaughter them and eat their muscle tissue. Uh, why, why work with the middleman here? Why not cut out the middleman, go to the original source? You want to talk about suffering, Jeff, animals suffer in this incredible level of trillions for aquatic animals and billions for land animals, but we also have 800 million starving people and 2 billion malnourished people around the world because what are we doing? We're growing crops to then feed to animals to get such a small return. I mean, you, you posted something about uh, the efficiency. Do you talk about that? I mean, the amount of calories we need to feed to animals to then extract for our own human consumption is just a fraction of the of the of the, the starting amount of calories that we begin with, which could feed us all sufficiently. So can you talk about some of that? And then I also will have got you here. I know we've still got some time. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about protein because you are one of the <laughs> experts. In fact, you blow my mind when you're talking about the details, the intricacies of how protein works within the body. Uh, and even, even with the fear of going too technical, I'd still love to hear it from you. And I'm sure a lot of people would too. So um, let's talk about the efficiency of producing food um, for moments. I know you've been sharing about that recently. And then if we can get into... Uh, the protein discussion to do some myth busting there about uh, where to get it from and how it really works. So when you start out with a plant and it has X amount of protein, let's say it has just for, for numbers sake, 10 grams of protein. When you feed it to the animal, some of that grams of protein is going to be digested. Some's going to get pooped out. So you've already lost some there. Second, some of that is going to their muscle tissue, which is the part we eat, but some of it's going to bone, some of it's going to teeth, some of it's going to skin, some of it's going to hair, that's all protein. So again, you're losing all that because that basically gets thrown away. All right, so you've lost protein twice already before you even kill the animal. And now you kill the animal and take it and you throw away all the protein that is in different forms like cartilage and 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 eyes and ears and all the other stuff that the protein makes. And then you lose some because you cut off some and some of it stays. Okay, so there's some loss of protein there. And then you go further and some of it spoils. On average, up to 30% of meat produced never makes it to a human mouth through spoilage, through expiration, through just waste, accidental, uh, some of the meat is diseased. You can't sell disease state 
meet legally. So that gets thrown away. So again, you're another 30% loss. So by this time, you could have up to 80% loss of the protein that you originally started out with in the plant. That's not sustainable with, with 10 billion people on the planet. You can't throw away that much usable food. All the food, all the amount of uh, industry that it takes to ship it or truck it or move it around from being a plant to being an animal to, to going to the slaughterhouse, then going to the grocery store, all of those steps require energy. There's just an extraordinary amount of waste in that process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, not only not only just a ton of waste and the environmental damage that that happens and the um, you know the the lack of impact on food that could go to humans, but the the disregard mm -hmm. for the lives of others that we would just willingly just throw their lives away for the sake of uh, pleasure sensory. Of I like the taste of that, but you know, I'm not even going to eat it because, you know, whatever reason, and now it just goes to waste. I mean, we just, we just wouldn't do that in other aspects of, of society with, with so much carelessness. And so can you talk about uh, plant protein for a minute? Uh, yes. People are still, people are still, of course, I know you can, uh, and <laughs> put a time limit on it, Jeff. I know you probably give 90 minute seminars. <laughs> You're right. But so you hear all the stuff about plant yeah. protein being incomplete, inadequate, not as good. You're not going to build as much muscle. You would have been a lot stronger if you'd just eaten more chicken um, or more fish or more cows or whatever. Uh, can you talk about the benefits of plant protein and how that works within the body? Like how it actually, how it gets absorbed, how it gets utilized, what it's used for, um, all of those things. So some people can have some talking points when they uh, go home to see their relatives this weekend and they get drilled about their protein intake as a vegan. <laughs> so, you know, uh, a lot of people say, well, protein's protein, right? No, that's not how it works. Um, so there are amino acids. They're called essential amino acids. It's, it's funny when people ask me, where do you get your protein? I say the exact same place you do because all essential amino acids are made by plants. All right, so let's start with that. <laughs> Um, so to say that plant any plant food is deficient in amino acids or an incomplete protein is just absurd because they make all of them. So <laughs> the only truly uh, incomplete proteins are gelatin and, um, and uh, collagen. Collagen is an incomplete protein. It's missing tryptophan, which is one of the essential amino acids. Um, so when you're consuming collagen, you're not getting the tryptophan and tryptophan is your mood elevator. It converts to serotonin, so it makes us happy, right? That's, a, that's what most of the antidepressant drugs are made from. They're serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So it gets more serotonin in the brain. When you're consuming collagen, you're getting none, zero, non-happy drug. So it's the unhappy protein. <laughs> Um, but let's take apart the rest of the protein. So the proteins, where did this incomplete myth came from? Well, they looked at comparing it to animal proteins. And if you have your nine essential amino acids across the board, you're going to have different levels of each one of those nine. It's called the amino acid profile. So on a bar graph, you'll have some spikes high and some spikes low. And they looked and they found two of the essential amino acids were generally lower in plant proteins 
than animal proteins. So the original researchers thought, oh, they're lower. They must be incomplete. Not enough of those uh, essential amino acids. Well, guess what? Those two essential amino acids are called methionine and cysteine. They're bound to a sulfur molecule, so you can read them as sulfur amino acids. Those are the two sulfur amino acids. Methionine, and I want you guys at home, guys and girls, males and females, at home to type this one thing. If you take any wave thing from this whole conversation, type this one thing into it. Because when you do, it's going to blow your mind. Methionine-dependent cancer. Three words. Methionine is M-E-T-H-I-O-N and then number nine, N-I-N-E. Methionine. Methionine feeds cancer cells. It is what those cancers, there's about 14 different cancers, including breast cancer, ovarian cancer, lung cancer, prostate cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer, the most lethal cancer there is, all feed on methionine. You can take those cancer cells, put them in a Petri dish, and then feed them protein with the methionine removed, 100% of those cancer cells will perish, will dissolve. We have the cure for cancer. It's called the plant-based diet. <laughs> it's that simple. It really is that simple. It's not that plant proteins are deficient in methionine. It's that animal proteins have too much of it. Every time you're putting that high amount of methionine and cysteine into the system, you are feeding and promoting cancer growth. Now, our bodies can take on cancer cells all the time. We kill cancer cells all the time. They're just aberrant human cells that have gone a little cuckoo in the DNA. And our body goes in and just says, no worries, we'll take that one out, break it all down into proteins and recycle it. Problem, no problem. It's when you feed them and they grow too much and too fast, that becomes malignancy. That is when they become spreading cancers or metastasizing cancers. And this is what feeds them. There's an amazing study that looked at that aspect of it and that found, okay, we'll take protein, plant protein and animal protein, and we'll see the highest rates of consumption so that they're even 200 grams per day of, of plant protein, 200 grams per day of animal protein. What happens in the animal group? They had a 400% uh, increase in cancer rates. In the plant group, no increase at all. The, in the animal group, they had a 500% increase in diabetes. In the plant group, it actually reduced the risk of diabetes. Same amount of protein, it's the molecular structure and what those proteins are coupled with. Animal proteins are coupled with cholesterol, known to contribute to atherosclerosis, Great study on atherosclerosis and cholesterol cut. It shows that in the lab, 100% of animals who are herbivorous get atherosclerosis, and you can't even make a carnivore get atherosclerosis if it consumes saturated fat and cholesterol. Guess what humans do? Atherosclerosis is the number one killer of human beings. Which group do you think we fall into? I know most people are going to say, oh, but humans are omnivores. No, nope. omnivores don't get atherosclerosis either. So 
they did a study and they said, well, let's take cadavers. So they took 3,000 cadavers of all age groups, all the way down to the age of 15. And they looked at their blood vessels and 100% of them had atherosclerosis. They found atherosclerosis begins at as early as nine years of age and those consuming oxidized cholesterol from animal products. 100% of herbivores get atherosclerosis. In this study, 100% of humans as early as nine years of age already have atherosclerosis, the number one cause of death of Americans. It's really, really clear. Physiologically, herbal, uh, carnivores and uh, omnivores cannot get that, with one exception. You can take out the carnivore's thyroid gland and all of a sudden their body starts getting atherosclerosis just like humans do. So why is that? Because omnivores and uh, carnivores have adapted to it. So their thyroid gland actually produces something that prevents saturated fat and cholesterol from clogging their arteries and turning into heart attacks. That's a clogging of the arteries to the heart strokes and dementia, Alzheimer's, clogging of the arteries to the brain, erectile dysfunction, clogging, clogging arteries to the, the genitals. I mean, all of these are effects of it. Kidney disease, when you squeeze, when you start to close the arteries to the kidneys, this forces the blood into the kidneys and pounds the kidneys and damages all the nephrites and the kidneys shut down. It's the number one cause of kidney disease eating animals, which relates to atherosclerosis because it's that saturated fat and cholesterol that's clogging them. 100% of herbivores get it, 100% of animals eating uh, cholesterol and get it too. Don't know how more clear the science can be that we are not supposed to be eating animal products. And how do we get that message out there for people to receive it? You know, um, one of the slogans that I use and I use in my new book is that we, we can't just change hearts and minds. We have to change menus and meal plans too. Like we need, we need to get people to change the way that they eat, because like you said, what we eat impacts our health and we can even predict these outcomes. I mean, you and I have been around the block a long time. We've been in this industry for a long time in different capacities, but we can basically at this point almost predict outcomes based on someone's nutritional behavior and their, their physical lifestyle behavior too. So I do want to hear about, um, and I'm sure other people want to hear about what your diet is like uh, <laughs> as someone who's a 60 year old, uh, you know, vegan for almost 40 years who can bench press over 400 pounds and who looks strong and, and all this stuff. People, of course, want to know what you eat, but what are some things that, that we can tell to our relatives, you know, our yeah. friends, our family, our loved ones. And a lot of people listening here on Chef AJ's channel are probably already on board, but I know from being on the show for years and talking to Chef AJ that so many people tuning in have loved ones, people they care about, yeah. uh, their, their parents, their, their children, their siblings, their, their spouse, their partner, uh, their, their colleagues, their coworkers, uh, who just, we just see them going down this path of ill health and, and the things that come with that. Um, what do you, what do you say to that? How do we, how do we encourage people to change what they put on their plate. One of the things I see in the movement is, is 
a lot of people, when the light bulb comes on, there's a lot of anger. You know, I've been lied to this whole time. Why did nobody tell me this? Why did my doctor not tell me this? Why was this not part of my education growing up in school? You know, how, I, I, why did I wait till I got a, a heart attack at 35 to, to learn this, you know? Um, and there can be a lot of understandable frustration um, and anger. And then wanting to, when they do, oh my God, I changed this, my diabetes went away. Yes, diabetes is completely reversible. Heart disease, atherosclerosis is completely reversible. Check out Dr. Dean Ornish's book on reversing heart attacks. It's there, the science is there. But we need to use this opportunity to help people. And I think that's, we gotta take that, our own personal anger when we have that light bulb moment and we become voices for this movement we need to not point fingers and judge people. We need to help people. We need to help them through education if that's the way they can receive it. We need to help people by being a good example. So be your best person to be that example. That's why I get in the gym every day. When I'm pushing through that pain and stuff, I'm like, I remember the animals are suffering much more than I do. And if I can be, if someone walks up to me and say, how do you get like that? Well, there's an opportunity to talk about it. Whether it's a compassion element, whether it's connecting with them, like a guy at the gym, I was talking to them, he's telling me about his daughter and that he's going in for heart surgery and he didn't want to. A, a guy who walked into my store and I told him he had kidney uh, a cancer, a grapefruit size cancer in his kidneys, they were gonna remove them both. And they told him he had six years to live. I told him about a supplement, which is phytates, phytic acid, which is found in beans. So you can get it from your food, but at, at his rate, he needed a much bigger dose than beans would ever help. So I told him about the supplement. He came back in three months and he just ran right up to me and gave me a hug and started, started crying. And he said, I want to thank you. The cancer's gone completely. He goes, more importantly, my wife and kids, thank you. <laughs> when you get an experience like that, that makes everything I do. You know, this, this show has been so difficult with all the moving parts. It's, to be honest, it's costing us a lot of money. But when I get experiences like this, it's so powerful. It's why I'm here. This is the rewarding part of life to me. And that's why I do it. Sorry for the, for the waterworks. <laughs> Jeff, that's exactly how I feel. And I am the same way all the time. Uh, emotional, um, wearing it on my sleeve, wearing it on my heart, struggling to get through stories similar to that, where people say, you, you changed my life. You saved my life. I, I didn't, I didn't know that, that, that I could, continue on. And, and, and here I am, you know, feeling better and, and looking forward to many, many years ahead and, and knowing that their actions are also saving so many animals too, and sparing animals from suffering that, that it's a win for everybody. You know, everybody wins in that, in that scenario. So I think, I think it's a beautiful thing to be compassionate and to care and and bust that myth about masculinity that you've got to be this tough exterior. 
and, and not care. And I've said the exact same things in interviews years ago that you said today that, that it's about being a you know, protector and provider and, and being nurturing. And that is, that's what you know, masculinity means to me. Mm-hmm. It means supporting. It means reaching down and lifting someone else up. It means mm-hmm. lending a hand. It means being a listener, being supportive. It means helping others and preventing harm. It, it, all of those things are, to me, that's, that's masculinity. And that's and that's leading by example, and that's showing example for how others can lead too, and lead with your heart, and lead with compassion, and and all of that. So I thank you for that. But I also still want to find out what you eat. So I don't want off the hook. And then um, I want to find out what you eat. And then there's also a question about the Oxford University report on protein, saying small amount of meat um, is okay. What do you think about that? And do you have uh, comments about that. So, but first, we we want to know what you eat first. Okay, let's talk about what I eat. We can't put back it's, on the screen. It's real, real simple. I focus. I focus on uh, three things, which is nutrient density. First of all, um, there's calorie density, um, and then there's nutrient density. So I look for the highest, most nutrient rich. That's why I brought. Uh, ahi flower to market. It's the richest source of omega-3s of any plant ever discovered in the world and won the next year award, the top supplement award. That's why I brought Limna. I was the first to bring Limna to the American marketplace. It is the richest source of nutrient density, higher than kale, higher than spinach, spirulina, all of them. It is just a super plant. So because our food system is so lacking in some of these nutrients, I really am looking for some super nutrient rich foods so that people can make up for one coming from a poor diet, coming from poor soil and coming from poor health that can actually make enough difference. I want to, I want them to feel that difference of what health feels like. So they get motivated and go, wow, I feel better. Let me do more. What can, else can I do to, to improve my health? That's the, the thing I want to get started. So the second thing I look at is polyphenols. You know, somebody just asked me in an interview, what do you think the most important part of nutrition is today? And I'll say the microbiome and polyphenols. And one, the understanding of our microbiome, once you get deep into microbiome research, it's abundantly clear our microbiome is set up as a digestion fermentation area for plant nutrients, phytonutrients, fiber, and polyphenols, those three big time. So getting good fiber intake by consuming as many whole food, plant foods as you can, high polyphenols, that's all your colorful, you know, eat the rainbow. So in the morning, like I'll have blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, uh, banana, which is technically a berry, So I do all my berries in the morning. They're low glycemic, they're high in polyphenols, and they're um, great for antioxidant approach. Then I get my workout in, then I'll have a protein-rich food. Uh, Hummus is one of my favorite things in the world to eat. So um, I'll I'll have red pepper hummus and then uh, all kinds of different types of hummus and things like that. Um, Then I'll have usually something beans, greens, and grains, those three. Okay, so when you look at concentrated nutrition, there's two ways of looking at it. One, concentrated nutrition as far as your micronutrients, which is your dark greens and your berries, and then uh, concentrated nutrition, which is your nuts, seeds, grains, basically the seed of any plant. Uh, We call them a whole bunch of different names. Um, Beans are a seed, grains are a seed, 
not sorry seed. <laughs> so uh, if you think at it, um, and the and the animal protein sector, you talk about eggs being the highest source of protein, right? Because it's a concentrated chicken before it grows up into a big chicken. Well, just think of the seeds in the plant kingdom, they're a concentrated full plant and they're gonna grow into big plants. So they have lots of protein, lots of energy packed into a small space. And by eating beans, greens, and grains, you're getting that high nutrient density, but you're also getting high macronutrients too. Lots of good essential fatty acids and essential amino acids. They're on the whole food state. So I am predominantly whole food. I look, if I'm out with friends and there's a vegan donut, yeah, once in a blue moon, I'll have it for fun, but I'll mix that with a, a, a dark green salad and stuff like this. An interesting study on leukocytes. I know you wanna to get to the last question, but I'll make this quick. Leukocytes are white blood cells. It's funny when I hear people go to the doctor and say, I'm vegan and I've been vegan, my white blood cell count is too low. And I'm like, too low, that's your garbage man. It means you don't have much garbage in your system. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. They're so used to looking at polluted bodies that are full of white blood cells called leukocytes or leukocytosis that they think that's a normal, healthy immune system. No, they're there because there's crap in your system. <laughs> so having white, low white blood cell count can be an actually very good indicator of health. All right. So the last question you wanted to touch on was. Yeah. So, um, and I, well, I want to thank you for that answer because so many times, you know, I do a lot of these interviews. We just list, do oh, I have oatmeal for breakfast and sweet <laughs> potatoes for lunch? And, but no one understands why. You know, I, I, I talk about nutrient density, calorie density, um, Andy score, um, you know, all these types of things. But I think the, the way that you broke that down, you know, why you eat those certain foods, the, the polyphenols for the microbiome, for the fiber, for the antioxidant content, for the highest nutrients per calorie, that's the kind of answer we're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, nothing, nothing against those in the past I've interviewed who said they eat burritos and tacos and sandwiches and all that, but why? What's the return on investment? What's the thought process? And obviously you're walking your talk. I mean, you, you, you lead by example in such an incredible way that clearly it's working that your nutrient density approach is working very, very well. Um, because this question came up, I do wanna ask about the Oxford University report um, that maybe you've heard about um, that yes. says, uh, saying a small amount of protein from meat is okay. And obviously we get that, uh, comment, you know, quite a yes. bit. I'm, I'm mostly vegan. I'm, you know, I eat just a little bit of meat. Although I think it, if we're both being honest, a lot of people exaggerate that, you know, they say, oh, I'll need a little bit of meat. That's still seven days a week for most people when they say that. But right. um, what's your comment on the Oxford University report and uh, animal protein? Yeah. And the real simple answer and the obvious answer here is that you can drink a little bit of motor oil every day and still survive, still live into your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. You can do arsenic every day. Actually, your body will build up a tolerance after a while. So you can get up to a lethal dose of arsenic every day if you want to too, and still live. Is that really what you want to do to your body though? The question is, does it not do enough harm to kill me? Or is that really a prolonged? With the cholesterol studies, we see any amount of cholesterol starts to form fatty acid streaks in the blood vessels as soon as nine years of age. So when people say, oh, I've been eating my meat all, all, all along and I'm healthy. No, you're not. You think you are healthy. If you looked at your blood vessels, you'd see you are diseased. You are in a full-blown disease state that could end your life. 
And as a matter of fact, it will end the life of 50% of Americans. 50% of all people in the United States will die from atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis leading to high blood pressure, kidney disease, stroke, heart attacks. That's 50% of you are dying thinking you're feeling okay because it's a hidden disease. It's disease you don't feel outwardly until you have a serious problem, but you're creating it from the time you put that into your mouth. Let's talk heme iron for a moment. Uh, they used to think that heme iron found in only animal flesh. It's not found in the plant kingdom at all. So there's zero heme iron in plants. Heme iron is known to, in just the smallest amount, in our microbiome, it converts to cancer-causing nitrosamines. So it doesn't matter how much. Now, obviously, the more you eat, the more cancer-causing nitrosamines you're going to create, the more cancer cells you're going to create. But it doesn't matter. If you are sick and you're creating cancer cells by eating animal flesh, which happens, it's not may happen, it's not does happen to some people. No, this causes this. Heme iron causes cancer-forming compounds. We know that. It's a scientific fact. Now, on the flip side, plant-based iron is bound to this cool phytic acid. Phytic acid breaks off. Now, this is amazing. Phytic acid used to be thought, oh, it's a, a nutrient deterrent, right? So you get less of the, uh, well, no, it's a guider. It out, gets you so that you don't over get too much iron into your bloodstream that would cause cancer causing things. But not only that, when the microbiome breaks off that phytic acid, it actually can go into the cell and switch a cancer cell, turn its gene off and make it a normal healthy cell. There is not a drug on this planet that can do what beans can do in reversing, not just stopping. It can stop the cancer from being created to begin with. It can kill the cancer second, but it can go in and change a cancer cell back to a healthy cell. There is trillion dollars spent on globally on cancer research and eating beans can reverse cancer cells and they know it and they won't tell you that. That's a problem. It's not about, yes, if you eat more beans and less meat, you're going to have better outcomes, most likely. But why put the negative stuff in there to begin with when you can live vitally to 60, 70, 80, 90, 100? Not just survive till then before something kills you, not deal with negative effects of lower energy, inability, losing losing parts of your body. It doesn't have to happen that way. You can live healthy right up to the day you die. I mean, who doesn't want that? Yeah, and I just saw something, Jeff, just the other day. I, I'd have to check the source, but it said something like uh, the average American gets just 10 years of retirement until they pass away. It's one of the lowest uh, numbers for developed countries. Some countries have over 20 years of retirement. And as I was having that discussion with someone, they pointed out that, yeah, and those those last 10 years of retirement, because of all these health problems being inflicted by a, a lifetime of, of diet uh, choices, are not always so great. Th those final 10 years of retirement are not health filled with vitality like so many of our, our, our friends and colleagues are able to experience because they've, they've just simply, as you said, they've changed, they've changed their uh, 
their outcome. You know, they, they've changed their health outcome because they've changed the fuel that goes in to power their beautiful machine, as you've described this, this human body. And I also, I want to, I want to read this to you, Jeff. I, I came up with this uh, about two weeks ago while on a hike with a bunch of vegan people. I, we're, I, I think I coined it. So I'm going to use this as a quote sometime. I was talking about the types of foods that we eat and you know, sometimes we just, we, we feel like we can eat these poor foods, but then we could just, you know, work it off and we can overcome it and all of that. And so my line was, I even had to write it down so I don't mess it up because that's my first time saying it publicly. I said the expression to someone, I said, you can fool yourselves, but not yourselves. You get it. You can fool yourselves as in other people and yourself. You can fool yourself, but not yourselves. Your body knows your body knows the score, you know, because because all the time, Jeff, we talk to people and they feel a little bit, I think, maybe a little bit defensive. They say, oh, I don't eat that much meat or I only, you know, animals sometimes or I, don't, I, I cut down on my milk consumption. But our bodies know our bodies know what's really going on. So you can fool yourselves, but not yourselves. <laughs> that's my new that's my new slogan. I, I love it. I, I couldn't agree more. And when you when you're a fan of the research and you just read study after study after study after study of all the deleterious effects, it, it's so abundantly clear that we thrive on it. So the question is, you know, is a little bit of meat okay? Um, uh, it, 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 reducing the negatives is better for sure. And if you can keep reducing those negatives, you'll get applause from me the whole way. But what I'm saying is you have the possibility to take that to a place where you can not only just survive and get through life with some suffering, but that you can be like me, get into your 60s, 70s, and 80s even, thriving without any drugs, without any disease states, healthy. But more than that, because... You know, people, I've heard people online say that, well, I don't really care about the animals. I care about my own health. Well, great. You should care about your own health. But it's not just that because some part of your mind knows whether you have a, a companion animal or whether you, I see videos online on YouTube where they save a duckling from a, a drop, a, a chain or- yeah, I saw know, one today. Saving uh, it, I mean, you see those out. and everybody's applauding. Oh, they saved the animal, the deer that's stuck in the pond in the frozen yeah. pond about to die. And the guys are getting in there and, you know, braving the weather and then, and then they go and eat a chicken sandwich, you know, just not making the connection. Or but they go a, hunt other deer. Right. So, and, the, and there's a part of our brain that knows this. You know, there was a great story that went viral about a girl who had a, a cedar, her pet goat, and the 4-H uh, yeah. wanted to take it and, and slaughter it, and they did. And when they commented in that article, they said, it's dangerous for someone to make that connection, because if we save that one animal, then why shouldn't we save all the rest? And our industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. We cannot afford that mindset. Yeah. That is a powerful statement. And I want people to think about that because your connection to your compassion, your capacity to feel love and connection to animals and to our environment is yours. Don't let anyone take that away from you. Don't let indoctrination pound that out of you. It is what caused my depression when I believed that I needed to be compassionless and to live in this world. 
I was robbing myself of my own connection to that love. And it almost killed me. I'm grateful that somebody was a shining example to show me what love looked like and remind me to reconnect with my own connection. I'm so grateful for that. And I, I hope my life can be that for other people. Well, I'm so grateful for you, Jeff. And I know we're, uh, we're at that time and, and right on cue there, Chef AJ. I want to I want to sincerely thank you, Jeff. You are, uh, I mean, you're the reason I put on the bright shirt today. You're such a bright light. You, you're, you're taking risks and, and, and putting on an event and leading with compassion and, and hoping to change hearts and minds and meals and, and, and menus uh, for people around the world. And I think we're going to have uh, a fantastic event at the, the World Vegan Bodybuilding Championships in Fort Lauderdale next weekend and the end of the Vegan Health and Fitness Expo. I'm, I'm honored that you invited me to come out there and host the event. Uh, and I'm just, uh, I'm just proud to call you a friend. And I, and I love that you lead with your heart and with compassion. And I think that's so inspiring. And I hope that so many people will walk away from this conversation and will look at food differently, will look at animals differently, and will look at uh, their food choices differently. And I'd love to have you back on sometime and talk more about the science because uh, it's so it's, it's so convincing when people actually understand how it, the mechanisms work within their own body and how they can set themselves up for either uh, positive health or negative health simply by deciding what they put on the end of their fork. So Jeff Palmer, founder, CEO of Clean Machine and the creator of the World Vegan Bodybuilding Championships and the Vegan Health and Fitness Expo. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you both, Chef AJ and Robert, dear friends, and, and thank you for all of you doing for this movement. It's such a team effort. And, uh, you know, in coming into the movement, it's been a blessing to reconnect. I think foundationally, when, when someone uh, shows compassion to something outside themselves, that really is an instant connector for uh, people in the movement, it means we care enough that it's it's wonderful to be around other people like and with like minds and like hearts. Well, I can't let you go because I actually have a question for you, Jeff, okay. and a question for both of you. You don't just look good for 60, you look good, period. Your skin <laughs> is flawless and you live in Florida where there's sun. So is it just your diet? <laughs> yeah, so I, I did a, a whole, I, I do a weekly podcast. I haven't right now because of this event, but I do a weekly podcast and all the research. So one of the big questions was people were saying that uh, you can't get vitamin A from plants because only 10% of beta carotene actually converts in the in the gut. And what I, in my research on that, to, to try to debunk it, I found that about 90% of the beta carotene is actually stored in the skin. Uh, beta carotene is in carrots, obviously, where they found it in anything orange, but it's also in dark greens. And I make dark greens a part of every single day. So rich in polyphenols, but this carotene goes in and acts as a natural internal uh, age blocker. So I get sun from the beach, I'm a beach nut. Uh, so, and I was a swimmer through high school and college. So I was born in the sun. And yet here I am at 60 and barely wrinkled because of this amazing effects of what beta carotene can do. We found now that beta carotene converts actually right in the skin to vitamin A as the body needs it. So this is another thing why plant precursors are so perfect. Getting vitamin A in its 
preform state from animals can be toxic to the liver. It can actually damage the liver and even kill people in extreme cases. So you don't want that amount of vitamin A getting into your system like you would find in fish or other animal products. What you want is that precursor. The body will then go and store that, use it in our skin to protect our skin from uh, ultraviolet radiation, and also then convert on an as-need basis. The plants have it perfect. We think that circumventing that stage of uh, storing the beta carotene and then converting it when we need it, which is why so much has been shown in the blood to convert on such a small amount, this is actually a good thing. This means you don't get too much vitamin A, which can actually be toxic. When you eat an animal product, you override that and put a bunch of vitamin A in the system, which can be toxic. The plants have it right. They have it with same with uh, vitamin K1. It's a precursor and it allows our microbiome to convert vitamin K2 on an as-need basis. The research actually shows that our body actually communicates through signaling, cell signaling to our microbiome to convert vitamin K2 as we need it. It's like such a beautiful system and it's all built around the plant nutrients. When we get nutrients from an animal, we jump up that stream of communication and all of that regulation, that endogenous regulation that our body does to keep perfect homeostasis gets thrown out the window because you're already skipping to the last phase, which too much can be toxic. And that's where the animal products to do. Great. Thank you. And Angela, who's watching live, says your podcast is amazing. If you give me that link, I'll add it to the show notes. Sounds good. Thank you. And I just want to say, jump in here and just express my gratitude for the encyclopedia that is Jeff Palmer. <laughs> and also, Chef AJ, I'm sure it's happened multiple times, but how often do you have over 100 years of veganism on your show all at once? <laughs> I know it's happened before, but we're, we're, right. this is going to be one of the highest levels of years of veganism. That's right. Not, 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 uh, not a wrinkle on his face, people are saying. So this question is for both of you, because you were talking a little bit about this ideology that meat is manly. And so bodybuilders are manly, male bodybuilders at least. And do, do you guys ever get any guff from the meat eating bodybuilding community, like either talking down at you or just, you know, teasing you because you, you look as good as them. You're you know, better in my opinion, but do they, do they ever make any remarks about your diet? Yeah. And of course it's, it's funny. I, I, I do these pictures and then half uh, one third of them will be, oh, you were born that way. So I throw up a skinny picture of me when I was little. I know, Robert, you've got some skinny uh, early pictures too as well. And the people go, okay, well then you're, you got that way eating meat. No, I've been vegan for 38 years and uh, meat uh, uh, muscle cells are, are switched out every seven years, approximately seven to 10 years. So no, four times over almost <laughs> those have been replaced by plants only. And then they're like, Okay, steroids. And I know Robert's been getting a lot of the, the whole steroid comments. So it's like, they just don't want to admit that I got this way from eating plants. It's gotta be genetics, it's gotta be steroids, it's gotta be from because I ate animal products. No, no, and no. I, I'm passionate about being drug-free. Drugs almost took my life twice. I, I'll never put another drug in my body unless it's to save my life. Uh, with an infection, maybe a antibiotic will work. But other than that, I will never have another drug in my body until I'm, until I'm gone. Nice. And people are asking if you have skincare advice because of your <laughs> wonderful skin. And do you use sunscreen? 
if I if, if I've been out of the sun for uh, long, like several months or something like the winter, and I do go in, yes, I'm cautious. But I, I, instead of sunscreen, I prefer just to do timing. So I do 30 minutes, no more on each side and when the sun is not at its brightest. Um, so if you just do those two things and let your melanin build up, you know, I do uh, talks on vitamin D3 and vitamin D3, um, we, we get mostly from the sun, but since we're not one naked and we're not two outside all the time, we're all inside, we're not getting enough vitamin D3, which is why I encourage supplementation, but there, the skin adapts to it when the Africans had dark skin, their body produced it because we were getting so much sunlight, it was producing too much vitamin D3. So our body naturally adapted by darkening the skin. That's why the more sunlight, like Hispanics have darker skin, uh, black people have even darker skin because there's a lots of sunlight. So that's an adaptation for vitamin D3. So you don't get too much of it. But as we migrated up into the Northern climates because of the curvature of the earth, the sun reflects off and UV radiation doesn't get in to trigger the D3 production. You can actually live in New York City, be out in total sunlight and get zero vitamin D3 activation, even if you're naked standing out in the sunlight for an hour, none because of the curvature of the earth. So what happens is our body said, well, let's remove the melanin from our skin and make white people because that way it will absorb more things and not reflect that sunlight. So our skin color is directly an adaptation for vitamin D3 absorption. <laughs> Right. Well, thanks, Robert. You're a great interview. I really enjoy listening to you. Oh, thank you. And I was just going to use this opportunity to flex in my pineapple shirt. And to answer that question, just really briefly, I, I walk a very similar path to Jeff. I get questions that, oh, you, you, you must be cheating, uh, you know, or you must be using drugs. And I, I've been lifetime drug and alcohol free. I, I became vegan at age 15, weighing 120 pounds. I was barely 100 pounds the year before. I've been up to 220 pounds. And Jeff and I both know I look like, I look nothing like someone who uses anabolic steroids. I have I have photos <laughs> next to real legitimate steroid using bodybuilders. And it's 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 night and day difference. So we do get that. But honestly, Chef AJ, what I often get is actually more curiosity. Jeff knows I'm on tour. I go to all the biggest mainstream bodybuilding and fitness shows in the country where they do use lots of steroids and drugs and the, where the big fans are. And there's just a lot of sincere interest. And wow, you can really do that on, on, without animal protein. You can do that with plants. And these are, you know, this is like Chris Cormier, you know, these are, these are like Jay Cutler, Sean Ray, people having these conversations. Um, uh, Jeff knows their names. Of course, he knows them personally too. So uh, Tony Freeman, others, it's, we're getting to a point where there's there's much more acceptance now and it's mostly people mm -hmm. on the internet i would say chef aj it's people on the internet who don't know you don't know anything about you they don't know your history <laughs> that you've been vegan for decades or that you've written a bunch of books or toured around the world or that you're a researcher or all these things and they just say oh you must be on steroids you're cheating because they can't see themselves succeeding in that way and it makes them feel defensive and they have to blame some sort of external source and say, because I can't do that for myself, you shouldn't be able to do it either. And I'm going to break you down rather than try to raise myself up. I'm just going to try to tear you down. And, and so I just ignore a lot of that stuff on the internet. It's just noise. I share it for fun. Jeff, as you see the little screenshots, I share it for fun, mostly just to get my, uh, you know, my audience base kind of riled up to uh, be more enthusiastic, <laughs> about veganism. but I don't, I don't let it get to me. That's great. Well, you got we'll a super chat donation from Angela. Thank you, Angela. Thank you guys so much. And I and 
Thanks for sharing about this great event. And Robert, you have another wonderful vegan bodybuilder coming on in, in a couple of weeks. I do. I've got Roger Smith coming up. He is one of the biggest, strongest vegans, and he's been vegan for decades. And uh, I mean, when I first met Roger, I'm like, man, those arms, you know, they're like Jeff's arms, um, maybe even a little bit bigger. I don't know. <laughs> Roger's a big, a big guy. But uh, I am so excited to interview Roger Smith in just a couple of weeks time. Um, and he told me he might even be there in uh in Fort Lauderdale in a week. We're not sure. He said, but he said he, he might just have to make that trip out. So if so, we'll get some photos. Thank you both. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. The show is a little bit later tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific time because Clint Patterson lives in Australia and you get all your questions answered about arthritis. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.